Hi, this is Kate Lebron, and I'm here with Jackie Hedeman for our podcast, The Cold Take. On The Cold Take, we write letter essays to each other on a topic, and then we read them, and then we talk about them. And this week, our topic is bread. Yes, bread. Bread. We love it. Um, Also, it's our season finale. It is our season finale. In the past, we've given you such topics as death and magic. This year, it's bread. Bread. <laughs> Listen, it's the word on everyone's lips. <laughs> it's it's the topic on everyone's minds. Pre- yep. In previous times, we may have been thinking about death or magic, and now we're thinking about bread. Completely. And um, we're also thinking about death and magic, but uh, no one wants to talk about that right now. <laughs> No, oh my god, imagine if this year's season finale topic was death. Oh god. Yeah, <laughs> that would be like, uh, are you okay? And we'd be like, obviously not. Nobody is okay. No, no one. None of this is okay. Uh. Oh. Sorry, <laughs> literally, I, you can't hear it because I'm in a closet, like, on the other side of the apartment, but an ambulance just started driving by <laughs> with its siren on, and I'm like... I do not live in a place where that has become like a soundtrack, but it still is very shocking. Yeah, we um, here haven't had too much of that either, but every time an ambulance goes by, it's just like, oh my God, a reminder of everything that's happening. Yes. (sighs) But uh, yeah, bread. Bread. I um I didn't manage to shoehorn it into my letter, but that song or poem or slogan, whatever it is, bread and roses. I was also like, yeah, hey, permission to be serious about socialism and also like mortality, but also permission to like listen to music and watch films and take walks and have fun. Mm-hmm. Permission to like exist as a person, even while everything is difficult. Exactly. Oh. oh, man. Wow, we really started this on a note. <laughs> We're excited. Sorry to this man. Sorry to this man. We're happy to be here. It's it's a lovely Sunday morning in the neighborhood. <laughs> it is. I um, I was just saying to Cade, I was sort of like, hey, let's start recording as the sweat puddles on my back because it there's a major heat wave happening right now, um, and we have yet to turn our air conditioning on. And I am in the corner of the apartment again, farthest from the windows in my closet to record this crystal clear sound for all of you. So I'm just sort of like, honestly, it's kind of like when we first started recording in my apartment. And um, (laughs) yes. Oh, my gosh. And we were trying to, like, keep the audio clear. So we turned off all the AC and the fans. Yep. And shut the windows. (laughs) Shut the windows. It was very, very hot. I was so sweaty. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, we were drinking alcohol. So it was just like. <laughs> I feel like that was very like, okay, like, like hands on temples. Like, let's focus. Totally. Get let's it done. Do- for real. <sighs> oh, oh God. God. Yep. Um, do you want to read your letter? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, dearest Jackie, are we allowed epigraphs here? And then I have an epigraph. I call my mother. I can't find bread, flour, or yeast anywhere. Fuck the bread, says my mother. The bread is over. And that's by Sabrina Ora Mark from her essay, Fuck the Bread, the Bread is Over, which was published in Paris Review. As one of those writers who loves epigraphs, as one of those essayists who loves epigraphs, as one of those women essayists who loves an epigraph, wow, has it taken me a long time on this podcast to come to the question, are we allowed epigraphs here? (laughs) There's a male writer who I follow on Twitter, I wouldn't 100% classify this as a hate follow, but it is adjacent, who tweeted recently, quote, over the past week, I have read 200 plus CNF submissions for Name of Magazine, and I need to know when we decided every essay needs an epigraph, unquote. This kind of commentary, male editors talking about nonfiction, always pisses me off because women dominate nonfiction. Hell yes, we do. And Mm -hmm. male gatekeepers edit magazines where we're trying to publish. And so I suspect that when he's reading submissions and saying when we decided, what he actually means is when women decided without me. And maybe he doesn't like it when women make decisions about this genre he's trying to control. But too bad, buddy. Here we are. Here I am. I love an epigraph. But anyway... 
We are gathered here on the internet today during a pandemic to talk about bread. Like Sabrina Oramark said in an essay on the internet during this pandemic, I can't find yeast anywhere. I keep looking. There's something about the crumbling of the world as we were used to it that makes me want to go to the basics, the building blocks. I think this urge to bake bread, to hand sew and dye our own clothes, to brew our own beer or distill our own liquor, to plant a garden is an urge to say to the society that might crumble, hey, look, I can do this without you. It's an urge to say to ourselves, hey, you can do this. You don't need all these support systems you've been leaning on. You can stay alive with just your own hands. Coming from a disabled perspective, of course, this is laughable. We are all so fallible, all so fragile. Being disabled, for me anyway, is grappling with that constantly. It's trying to figure out what do I need from other people and what can I do on my own. I'm used to finding myself worthwhile and worthy regardless of what I might need from other people. Based on the world right now, I take it y'all non-disabled folks aren't used to dealing with these questions and are disturbed by them. You, and by you I mean non-disabled people, not Jackie, (laughs) want to think that you can bake bread by yourself in a vacuum and then you can survive by yourself in a wasteland. Maybe you can. But can you if you can't find yeast at the store? So then the New York Times publishes an article about how to cultivate your own yeast at home from flour. But to do that, you still need flour from the store and you need the internet and you need your New York Times to tell you what is possible. All I'm trying to say is independence might be a myth. We have built ourselves a very complex society and evolved beyond our survival skills. What a privilege. What a trap. This morning before recording, I ate a bagel, which Google tells me is a kind of bread that I did not bake from scratch and rather bought from the store. And in fact, I had a migraine, so my boyfriend cut and toasted the bagel and put cream cheese on it for me. So this bagel coming to me for food involved at least three other people, if not more. The person who made the bagel, the person working the checkout line at the grocery store, my boyfriend to take the bagel out of the bag and make it into breakfast. Any meal that involves a bagel also... Also always involves Christina from my freshman hall in college, who anytime any of us had a bagel at dining hall brunch would scrunch up her nose and say, did you know a bagel is four servings of carbs? Christina, by the end of our academic year living together, I'm intimately acquainted with that fact. I think of it every time I eat a bagel. Christina, as a Jew, I'd like to say that it is impossible to fully ruin bagels. They are a near perfect food, but you have come close. So please add Christina to the list of people involved in my breakfast. Despite social distancing appearances, we are not living solitary lives. We live connected by supply chains and outsourced food production and our past memories and the internet. I wouldn't have known how to get to the grocery store if not for Google Maps. Which I think is also what an epigraph is about. It's about connection to another text or to the rest of our genre, to something that says where our thoughts began to germinate. An epigraph is a kind of intellectual citation. Of course men would hate it. They still believe in original ideas. Love, Kate. Oh, this is one of your best. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, I love this. Ours have weirdly similar shapes, which you will see in a second. But um, I love it. Different content, very similar shapes. Uh, Christina. (laughs) I like it's interesting because, like, I try, you know. I try to, in my head, be like, so we were 18 years old. She's like a young woman. This mm-hmm. is like an eating disorder thought. I'm trying to have like a lot of empathy for her. But also like, how do you fucking say that to other people over and over and not realize how harmful that is? Totally. I repeatedly say it. Like. Oh, my God. And I can just like hear her being like, did you know a bagel is four servings of carbs? And I'm like, yeah, dude, this is my fucking breakfast. Like, could you not? Right. <laughs> the best way to start a day is with four servings of carbs. <laughs> Uh, and it's also just like uh you, you want me to eat like a, a quarter of a bagel like would that be better right. that is bonkers <laughs> i periodically so like when there's someone in my house i think it's my dad who as a snack in like the afternoon after lunch will have like half a bagel with cream cheese and that's all well and good. But then when I go in to find a whole bagel, there's like half a bagel just kind of hanging out in there. And I'm like, what kind of baloney is this? Like, who eats half a bagel and leaves half behind? What it's, the fuck? Oh, my God. It's bonkers. <laughs> That's like a bonkers thing to do. Yes. And these are these are also store-bought bagels. So it's not like they're huge, you know, good 
bagels. They're just like the normal, like, not lenders, not that bad, but like, whatever, Thomas bagels. <laughs> yeah. And like, oh, man. Also, okay, if you if you take half a bagel or if you take a quarter of a bagel, like you're saying, you either going to put the rest back for someone else who's like, what would you do to this bagel? Or you can <laughs> throw it away and then it's just food waste. Yes. Also, they go really stale <laughs> really fast when it's just the half, like the insides are not ready to meet the air. I have a no. lot of feelings about this, it turns out. I'm with you. <laughs> Thank you. My dad will do the same thing and then he'll freeze the rest and there's like little bits of frozen bagel. <laughs> oh my God. He recently was like, oh, I have some bagel in my freezer if anybody wants it. Like, I have some bagel left. And we were like, what What do you mean some bagel? And it turned out to be like a third of a bagel. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> that, is, that is... I'm just... It's... it's That... Yeah. Wow. <laughs> this is... It's like... It's kind of like a murder show, but like the funny version. <laughs> Like dad just leaving parts of bagels in cold places. Yep, and like young women finding them and being like, "What? Who did what this? Is this? This is disgusting." In my own home, abominable. <laughs> what kind of person? Exactly. Um. Yeah. Okay. So that's Christina. Um. I just I the part of this I love the most is the sort of like. Yes, self-reliance, like, so comforting. Oh, my God, look, I can do this thing. And then taking stock of, like, all of the things that make it possible for you, one, to do the thing. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know. I just was, like, trying to think about it and, like, take it apart and just be, like, all these people who are like, oh, yeah, like we're off the grid now and we're like doing it by ourselves. And I'm like, no, you're not, man. Like, no, there's probably someone in like rural Wyoming who actually is doing it by themselves, but it's not us. No, it sure isn't. I remember having this dinner conversation like when I was maybe 18 or so with this older man and he was like a friend of a friend of the family and he was like perfectly nice but he got into this sort of you know like devil's advocate straight guy conversation where he was like I could totally exist off the grid hunting and gathering for myself and there was this law and he was like he went on and on and on and I was kind of sitting there like oh maybe I don't really know any better and there's this long pause and my dad goes no, you couldn't. <laughs> yes. Go your dad. <laughs> I mean, seriously, no, you couldn't. I think No, about you that could not. All the time. And like watching apocalypse movies where you see people try to do it and it's just like you see how fragile every person is. Yes. Ugh. We are all like, so fragile. Getting like meat and protein aside, I don't know which plants are poisonous. Like... No, I don't know how to purify water without like a water pump that you buy at Eddie Bauer that has like a certain number of uses. Like I <laughs> no, it's all like every single part of it is terrifying. Water. Yeah. How do you do it? Food. How do you do it? Like, OK, and then you break down food into categories and it's like carbs. Like, are you going to plant wheat and harvest right. it and then like make flour? What what you doing here? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah oh my god and then like vegetables like you're saying how do you know which are poisonous like you're not just gonna like stumble upon a carrot field and be like wow great <laughs> not at all <laughs> it's, it, yeah, yeah it doesn't happen it happens that way in stories because it has to because people have to live to tell the tale like the hunger games goes the way it does because she's the main character <laughs> yes and not because of like reality Right. And just like, oh my God, it's so easy to get diseases. Like COVID aside. Oh God. Like, yeah. oh my God, you don't like sanitize your food properly or like you eat a bug or something weird. Like, you know. Totally. You're toast. You get a cut and it gets infected and you don't have like ointment, you're toast. Oh my God. The number of times I've gotten just like incredibly low grade, low impact food poisoning is just like off the charts. Oh Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then it's like if you don't have like, I don't know, like plumbing. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> what's she gonna do yeah yeah <laughs> a little shocking because I feel like there are a lot of people who are like kind of pumped about the pandemic and are kind of like society's crumbling and like, we're going to go live in the woods. It's like, yeah, are you good luck with right. that one? Yeah. Have fun in there. I read the road. <laughs> yep. Seriously. And like, also if you've built yourself like a little underground bunker or something like you did that with society's assistance. Yes. Like if you have canned food, someone else made all that food for you. Just say. Totally. And I mean, not to sound exactly like our first episode, but like what happens when it runs out? Do you actually want to like find out? <laughs> no. No, you don't. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. I love – I don't know. It's just like I think that people are kind of like, oh, well, like people used to do this. People used to just like set off and do this and do that. Yeah. They had skills. Yep. <laughs> they have like cultivated those skills and learned them from each other and they knew what they were doing. We have like unfortunately evolved past all those skills. We're no longer like learning them or teaching them to each other. We're so screwed. That particular phrasing of that concept was very clarifying for me because I was sort of like, oh God, that's exactly what it is. Um, I've like felt, I've felt that concept before, but I've never heard it articulated so clearly, but totally like... It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's like all the things that we do know how to do are cool too. It's like we've taught each other how to use the internet and like, mm -hmm. you know, certain things like, I don't know, like we we all learned from each other. We, we've learned writing from other people, but it's like all that time that we've spent on Twitter or learning writing or like painting our toenails or whatever is time that other people in the past spent being like, here's how you make water drinkable and here's how you totally. plant a field. <laughs> Well, and even those people, it's like they were doing it with like the exception of just like lone hermits who will always exist. Like they were doing it in community too, like yes. in good and in bad ways, like sort of like watch the children while I go off and do this. But like there was a division of labor in this way <laughs> that made each role possible. Right. And it's like no, no families. I mean, some families, but like you know, people evolve societies so that it wasn't just like a family of four trying to survive with no other network by themselves. Totally. For oh the first God. time ever. Yep. And being like, okay, like we're going to like raise cattle and plant a wheat field and like carrots and bullshit, you know, like you try yeah. to split it up so everybody can survive. Well, and it's so telling that like the whatever the settlers had to basically like cheat at the game because... <laughs> Oh, they didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> Do we want to talk about genocide? Right. <laughs> um, scary. Uh, <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, yeah. That's a whole whole part of it. Uh, yep. Oy um, <laughs> And now hipsters in Brooklyn are like, let me dye my own, like, t-shirts and pretend that i could survive in the wild you can't do it totally no like you you're not supposed to like the society you live in was not designed to make you or allow you to do that no uh, um i really want to rewatch into the wild speaking of yeah i want to see tale. it at all i've never watched oh, it have you read the book no i read into thin air which was terrifying oh my god so terrifying so terrifying. Um, that was like probably one of the first nonfiction books I read and enjoyed. The other one, uh, man, so problematic. It was a Lewis and Clark biography that I loved. <laughs> but while we're on the topic of, you know, cheat codes. <laughs> White people, men, genocide. Yes. Expeditions. Yes. <sighs> Not good. Um, But yeah, that is interesting. I feel like those like... The Trek books are some of those, like, first engaging nonfiction books. Yeah. Um, I haven't read Cheryl Strayed's Wild, but I feel like people seem to talk about that in a similar way. Yeah. I think it's time. I mean, I finally watched Frances Ha, so I think it's time for me to finally read Wild. <laughs> My God. You're just going into, like, all the annoying white women things? Yes, completely. <laughs> not, not to, like, just roast you. I'm sorry. That wasn't... <laughs> no, I, I mean, listen... <laughs> I feel like what I, a lot of people have said that in quarantine, their natural accents have come back. Um, I feel like what better dime to do all the annoying white women things. 
Oh, if if you want to know just like real real shit. So I grew up in a really really small town. <laughs> Have you started saying water? <laughs> oh, Jackie, the thing that has come back is ain't. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. The fun- I like that one. The funniest part of it is that Kevin doesn't even notice it. Like, I think I say it, like, 20 times a day, and he doesn't even, like, comment. And then I said to him, like, have you noticed that I've been saying this? And he's like, LOL, have you? Like, that's wild. <laughs> he's like, well, because probably you probably do it so well and, like, fluently that he doesn't even notice. <laughs> oh, my God. But it's just, like, remember when I was, like, an English teacher? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, and while you were an English teacher, I'm sure you um, shared the people's right to their own language. Ain't that the truth? Yep. There there it is. Um, anyway. There it is. Uh, but yeah, damn. Um, yes, I feel like we are reverting to our, to our base selves, potentially yeah. in a good way. I've become so for like a for a small amount of time after moving here and having been at work long enough, I did start having these sort of like Kansas isms in my vocabulary, but those have disappeared. The thing that has happened is I started saying milk again. Yes. (laughs) Which I believe I'm on record as saying that's the only word that I've ever like intentionally altered my pronunciation of. Uh, it's back milk 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 that's the thing it's so fun to be like my mom's like oh my god stop saying milk and i'm like what do you want me to say milk milk it's it's one of those words where i'm like i don't actually know how i naturally pronounce it because as soon as you start paying attention to it you're saying it weird it's such a weird fucking word it's just there's no way to say it naturally because it's one of those like subtle, wor- subtle vowels, ideally. Yes. Yeah. If you want to sound like you're on NPR, it's a subtle vowel. <laughs> Don't we all want to sound like we are on NPR? I feel like for the most, I sadly, for the most part, I do sound like I'm on NPR. Sometimes. Not all the time. I don't think <laughs> I Certainly not when I say it's a weird fucking word. <laughs> Uh, I feel like uh, you sound more NPR than I do. I don't know. Let's let our listeners be the judge. Who yeah, listeners. is more NPR? <laughs> is it Jackie who sounds really dignified or is it me, the girl from a small town who says ain't? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to read my letter. Yay, do it. Okay. Dear Cade. During this pandemic, the best thing that's happened is the fact that I've been chatting with my best friend for an hour every Saturday week. Why did I write that? Every week, every Saturday. Good. (laughs) Growing up, we were always over at each other's houses. We spent a lot of time together, but because we never went to the same school, ours was always the kind of friendship that could sit simmering for a while, whether that was the school week, waiting for Saturday, or long summer months when I would be out of town with my family in one place or another. We always picked back up as though nothing had changed. Even when, as adults, those weeks turned into months, turned into more months, turned into a span of time less than a year, but waited with so many happenings that it was difficult to know where to pick back up. Even then, the conversation came. Easy because the silences were easy, too. How couldn't it be? We grew up, we grew each other's sense of humor, our speech patterns. This week, as with most weeks in the pandemic, I hopped on FaceTime to find her in the kitchen with her husband where he was baking something. This week's something was baguettes. He held them up to show them off. I obviously couldn't smell them, but it was like I could. These most recent lucky summers, I've been in Paris around this time, smelling that smell on every corner, brushing breadcrumbs off my front. So it was like I could smell them, and knowing my best friend was about to be in her corner of the country, eating her version of the most comfortable comfort bread brought me so much joy, I almost teared up. Bread sometimes has this effect on me. In college in warm months, there was a weekly farmer's market in front of the library where the best bakery in town set up a stall. I was prone to picking up a baguette there and devouring it over the course of an afternoon, a recurring event that that reached its peak the day I got and ate the baguette, then returned to my dorm room and ate half the baguette my roommate Cece had gotten at the same stall. In my defense, she offered. And even before that, on those nights I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, my parents would host dinner parties and I'd hide upstairs and watch movies and drink Pepsi and see how much of the sliced baguette I could steal from the bread basket they were saving to pass around at dinner. Early iterations of this featured a soft, mediocre bread masquerading as baguette. 
Later, when French baking arrived in Champaign-Urbana, the bread slices scraped the roof of my mouth in that satisfying, authentic way. It's not just baguettes that have this soothing effect on me. In Columbus, when I first started therapy, I had no idea what to expect, so I read a bunch of articles with advice on how to prepare for a session. One of the pieces of advice that I would later hear echoed all kinds of places was to do something nice for yourself right after. A snack, the article suggested, a walk, a hot bath. I drove to Great Harvest on Reed Road and, brought, and bought a cinnamon chip loaf. Back in the car, driving home, I opened the bag one-handed and dug my fingers into the soft bread, pulling off a sticky hunk and eating it in traffic, wiping off my fingers with old McDonald's napkins. Growing up, Mom and I baked sweet rye bread from a recipe that came to us via my uncle's Swedish relatives. We baked it seasonally, starting in early December and bringing in loaves to all my teachers to eat over the winter break. In elementary school, when old favorite teachers were just down the hall, we baked loaves for them, too. I don't think they were just saying they liked it to be nice when they welcomed me back in January. The only bread I've tried to bake is banana bread, and that's basically cake. No kneading or rising required. No yeast. We, too, were running out of yeast a couple weeks ago with none in the stores, and after we mentioned this to friend of the pod, my cousin Rachel, and my Aunt Laura, a Ziploc baggie full of it showed up in the mail. A few days later, more followed. Pizza night, with its decades-long tradition of homemade crust, was saved. I don't know. Bread seems like a decent place to leave this season of the cold take. It can be a lot of work to put into something that takes no time at all to consume, but that warm feeling, the sense of community, the yeast in the mail, okay, maybe I'm stretching the metaphor a little. The point is, when I saw those baguettes in my best friend's kitchen, I thought, okay, it may be a long time before we see each other in person again, but we're more together than we have been in years. Love, Jackie. Oh, so warm and cozy. Eat bread! I love this. I feel like this is funny because, like, last night I was thinking about the letter and I was like, I wish I could, like, capture the emotion of bread in a letter, but you know me, like, uh, feeling runaway. <laughs> um <laughs> And then you fucking came in here and were like, the feeling of bread. I'm here to capture it in a letter. <laughs> Bow down, motherfucker. Ah, warm bread, warm bread, though. <laughs> it's so good. This this is like, oh, every different bread. There's like all these different breads that you're like going through and every different bread. I'm just like, I don't know where to start. Do we talk about the cinnamon chip loaf? I want the it. The cinnamon chip loaf. That yes. sounds so good. What is a cinnamon chip loaf? I don't even know what that is. I don't even know how to describe it. It's kind of like the bread, Great Harvest. Have you had Great Harvest bread before? No. What's wrong with me? So it's like, for the listeners who might not know it, I don't know how widespread it is. It's like a seemingly Midwestern chain of like bread stores. <laughs> I love bread, a bread shops, store. bakeries, bakeries. That's the word. It, oh, it feels weird oh, to call it a bakery, though, because it's mostly loaves. But they also have like tiny, like cookies and stuff. Um, and they bake like they have the same recipe in all the stores. There's one here in Lawrence, um, and it's sort of like I don't know how to feel about it because I want to be snooty about it, but. The bread is just like so soft and sweet and good, um, but also like kind of overwhelming. <laughs> and there were definitely like a couple times in Columbus where I got the like cinnamon chip. And so basically it's like a imagine like a chocolate babka, but less kind of swirled and like cinnamon chips and Ugh. just good. Um yeah, it would just amazing. be like, I would get it right around lunch and it was just like lunch and dinner. <laughs> Have you ever been, this is like related, I swear. No, it's not. It's just a, a food question. Have you ever been to Nothing Bunt Cakes? No. Oh, Jackie, you need to go. What's it's that? just Bunt Cakes. Oh my God. As the name suggests, I guess. <laughs> In every size. There's like little tiny ones that are like cupcake size. Then there's like giant Bunt Cakes for like 10 people or whatever. Where is this this lovely thing? It's a chain, um, but they have one in Columbus for sure. But then they have others like all over the place. I feel like there's probably one near you. I'm sure. Nothing I'm Bunt check. Cakes. That yes. is a great name. Okay. The Nothing Bunt Cakes in Columbus is near that Target that we used to go to that's by a movie theater. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, also, I think that – do you ever remember like tiny little cakes coming into the English department when we were there? 
I never was in the English department. I mean, oh, I was in it, yeah. as you know, but I was never there. <laughs> I, I never went to like, my office. <laughs> I have a degree from the English department. I was never there. I was never there. Men, I don't know them. <laughs> who are they? Who is she? Um, but uh, yeah, there would sometimes be like the mini nothing bunt cakes there at the English department. Uh, oh my God. This, this is, is what you miss out on. the first thing I've heard that makes me regret not going into my office ever. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of food to steal, let me tell you. Yes. Um, as, a, as a food hoarder on occasion, <laughs> there was food. Um, but anyway... Uh, okay. Also, the sweet rye bread sounds great. I'm very curious about it. What is it like? It is, it's so good. It is sweet, but not in this way, not in the banana bread way where it's kind of like, this is more like a dessert. It's definitely like, it definitely gives you that bread feel. Um, it, it uses rye flour, as I guess the name (laughs) suggests. I don't, I'm not like a bread baker. You may have ascertained Um, yeah look we're not experts no but i'll send you the recipe it's so good it like it involves it's a really like okay so one thing i like about making it with my mother watching her make it let's be real is it's like a hours long experience (laughs) which i guess is why i like baking more than cooking anyway because i'm sort of like okay there's like the tactile like making the cookie dough but then you like put it in the oven and you go and do something else for like nine minutes and then you come back and then do something else for nine minutes and then you come back i find that so relaxing and this bread is like that times a thousand because it's like okay need it now set a timer now punch it down again now set a timer now etc like so good it sounds so good um also your letter somehow like sparked this internal debate in me about banana bread where i'm like is it a bread of course it's not yes it is it has bread in the title what (laughs) i right right the more you think about it the more it's like it doesn't do any of the things bread does except for being shaped like it yeah like it's not bread yeah i I mean are we starting one of those things where it's like is this a sandwich is that a sandwich (laughs) Uh, oh my god is it a ravioli um yeah oh no (laughs) oh no um and i don't even make it when i make banana bread i make it in a square tin i don't even make it in a in a loaf so like oh man what am i doing yeah um and then the thing about the baguette scraping the top of your mouth just have a lot of a lot of bread feelings here the slight pain involved in eating a baguette sandwich because, like, yes. <laughs> the edges of your mouth get so, like, scraped to hell, but it's so good. Yes. I feel like I'm going to emerge from this podcast and be like, we need baguette. And Kevin's going to be yes, like, you do. what's your problem? <laughs> like, Oh, my God. Okay. Get ready for the best sandwich in the world. Yes, baguette. Okay. Baguette. Avocado. <sighs> um, truffle mayonnaise. What? Um, roast turkey. That's it. Oh, bacon. Bacon. Where do you get truffle mayonnaise? I'm sorry. We, where did we get it? We have like a tiny little pot of it. Um, It must have come from like some fancy food store. But you can also get truffle oil and just mix it into normal mayonnaise. Interesting. I don't even know where we'd get truffle oil right now. But, uh, you know. I wonder if like world market would have something like that yeah or like Wegmans yeah okay we're gonna go on on an odyssey I feel like if any non-evil grocery store would have it it would be Wegmans yeah okay I gotta I gotta check this out um (laughs) but uh, this sounds very good also avocado on everything that's kind of been like seriously the avocado has been one of my quarantine comfort foods Oh my God, same. Oh my God. It just, it's so good. It's so good. And I feel like it's the fact of, since we get our groceries delivered, it's kind of like, okay, we can't just like go out if we need them. So we have to order enough of them, but now we have to eat them all. Yes. Like before they go bad. Uh, So we've been doing like, we've been having a side bowl of avocado cubes next to the salad And mom puts the avocados in her salad, but I, like, 
have them between dinner and the salad and put them on my plate by themselves and like salt them and kind of eat them like a cheese course. Oh, Ooh. my God. <laughs> uh, what what I've been doing. OK, also, that sounds great. Uh, <laughs> what I've been doing is putting lime juice, olive oil, salt, pepper on avocados, like mixing them up like cube avocado and then putting it just like on top of whatever you can put it on top of so good what i put on top of oh oh, oh, cooked salmon and rice and broccoli oh my god just so good just like oh my god amazing that sounds so are you gonna write a cookbook at the end of this i feel like this is a question i've asked several people i asked Cece if she was gonna open a restaurant like (laughs) I would love to write a cookbook. Nobody wants me to do that. It would just be like easy bullshit to make for dinner. Um, (laughs) Well, there's an audience for that. I'll tell you. Oh, my God. Did you follow the Alison Roman debacle? Oh, my God. Not actively, but it was like truly it was the most I mean, to go back to the Twitter episode for a second. It was the most Twitter Twitter experience I have recently experienced because I didn't know who Allison Roman was. If you, like me, listeners, didn't know who she was and still don't, she's a chef, apparently. Yeah, um, and cookbook writer, recipe writer. Cookbook writer, yeah. Sorry, I'm trying lady. to not – I'm trying really hard to not sneeze if my voice sounds weird. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, and I, I first knew heard her name because I follow Autostraddle and – one of their writers really likes liked Allison Roman, and so she was getting a hashtag started where the hashtag was Dykes for Roman. Yeah. Um, and so that was like my first encounter with it. And I was like, oh, okay, Allison Roman seems like Kate Blanchett, like one of those straight women that gay women like. <laughs> um, and so that was like a week before the debacle happened and then the literally the morning of the debacle autostraddle had this like whole like essay about how great allison roman is and then like four hours later <laughs> all of this shit hit the fan um, uh right <laughs> and to talk about the shit that hit the fan should we yes do you want to or should i oh you should because I, th- I think I know what happened, but you should explain. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll start by saying, too, like my background with Allison Roman is I've cooked a, a fair amount of her recipes. I really like her recipes. Um, I have one of her cookbooks. She writes recipes for the New York Times. I've liked a lot of those. Um, so this was all just like, oh, damn it. Um, I'm not going to make her recipes anymore. Uh, but she did an interview with – God, I forget what magazine. Um, And they were asking her all these questions, and she was clearly trying to do the thing of, like, oh, like, I don't give a shit. Like, I'll tell it to you straight. I'll tell you, like, my real feelings (laughs) or whatever. Always a mistake. Always a mistake. Uh, If you have bad opinions, keep them to yourself. Um, Yeah, maybe try to work on them with a therapist or something. (laughs) Yeah, it was just wild to me because – so what she said was basically she was saying that um, Chrissy Teigen – Teigen or Teigen? I feel like, yeah, great question. It's definitely Tigan, but... Chrissy Tigan. She was <laughs> saying that Chrissy Tigan and Marie Kondo had, like, sold out. And, yeah. like, that they... She basically, like, she called Marie Kondo a bad word. Um, and I don't even want to say because I think Marie Kondo is so lovely. I don't want to... Yeah, and Marie Kondo is not online. She's got it right. Like... <laughs> And she just, like, was criticizing these two women of color who have done very well in, like, food and, like, home-adjacent businesses and was calling them sellouts and calling them, like, nasty names and just, like, talking shit about them and then was like, oh, like, by the way, like, I have a new line of branded cookware. Right. So it's like, yeah, you're also a sellout by your own metric. Yes. And, like, nobody's a sellout. Like, people are just trying to, like, make it and, you know, make a decent living doing the things that they love. Like, whatever. But it was just, like, wild how she just had turned on these two women of color and was talking shit about them. And then, meanwhile, was like, oh, like, maybe I want to be the next Gwyneth Paltrow. Paltrow." And it's like, okay, clearly we see what you think is respectable and what you think is bad. And was there, it seemed like, again, from sort of the periphery, it seemed like there was a 
Columbusing of Asian food component to this because yes. both of those women are Asian women or Asian American. Yes. And Alison Roman in her recipes, and like this was something that I wish I'd been more thoughtful about, like when I was cooking her recipes. Um it, like a lot of her recipes were taking like appropriating things from Asian cooking and being like, oh, look at this great new combination of flavors. And it's like, it's not new. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not new. You didn't discover it. Um, And also the other part of it that was just like shockingly bad is that Alison Roman was supposed to have a new TV series, which Chrissy Teigen had signed on to produce. I completely missed that part of it. That was wild. And, like, Chrissy Teigen has promoted Alison Roman's work in the past. What the fuck? What? How? I mean, when people try to act all cool and above it all, I kind of hate it in, like, a very neutral way. Because I'm like, eh, that's a boring stance. Whatever. Like, I think we're done with cynicism. Um, But, like... But when basically there's that and then there's like (laughs) when you've just for some reason decided to trash your business partners. Right. What the fuck? And just like poor Marie Kondo, like she didn't ask to be a part of this. Like, no, exclude her from your narrative. Yes. I was literally just going to say that. (sighs) Yeah. Right. Get Marie Kondo's name out of your mouth. Like, it was not nice. It just, it was so embarrassing. And then Alison Roman was like trying to apologize to Chrissy Teigen on Twitter. And Chrissy was like, no, like right. we should just like not follow each other anymore. Yeah. It was just, it was wild. Um, wait, how did we get here? Oh, I do you were not like, know. You should write a cookbook. <laughs> oh, you should write a cookbook. And it oh, should be God. easy things. What well, was funny because it was like Alison Roman used to be my like go to. This was how we got here in my brain. Was Alison Roman used to be my go to? Like, oh, like I need an easy recipe that like will taste good but won't take me a ton of time, you know? Yeah. And now I'm like, well, it's not her anymore. But I think what I actually want to do instead of trying to write my own cookbook, which I would not be that good at potentially, although who knows, <laughs> I don't want to shut myself off in the future. But what I might do instead is buy Chrissy Teigen's cookbook. Yes. Because I would love to support her. She seems great. And I've cooked some of her recipes from online before. And she did a collaboration with Blue Apron uh, in the past. And the recipes that she did with them were awesome. She did a shrimp dish that was just like baller. So. Oh my God. Um, that really sounds like a good idea. Yes. So that's, that's my personal uh, switch flipping. Um. <laughs> that also like you all, you literally just said shrimp dish. And I went from being like, I'm hungry for bread to like, I'm hungry for actual food. Yes. <laughs> It was it was incredible. It was like actually one of the easiest recipes with like the most flavor payoff that I have made. Where it was just that, like, oh, this seems really simple. Like, is it going to be good? And then it was like, this is great. That is what I want. Right. <laughs> Let me. I'll find the recipe and send it to you. Um, because it was really good. Damn. Damn. <laughs> um. Anyway, sorry. This became the like cookbook gossip hour. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that I truly, if you could see my eyes right now, they kind of just glazed over and I'm staring off into the distance being like shrimp dish. (laughs) A little spinning shrimp inside of each of your pupils. Yeah, like loading. (laughs) Yep. Oh my God. Spinning wheel of death, but it's a spinning shrimp. It's a tiny little shrimp. Oh my God. Have you seen, there's this thing on Amazon that I found uh, that's a, a neck pillow, but it looks like a giant shrimp. <laughs> no! A giant cooked shrimp. I want it so badly. I found it online. It was like one of those like Amazon suggestions. And I was like, what? How did this get suggested to me? It's incredible. That seems like the only version of a neck pillow that I would not be embarrassed to wear onto a plane. Um, I'm so terrified of flying. I've just given up on what anybody might think of me on an airplane it's like i'm gonna be crying and wearing a neck pillow um yes um should we do rex rex yes uh what's your first rec my first rec um 
Okay, I'm going to reverse my recs because I accidentally ended with a total downer. Uh, Let's start with a downer. My first rec is, and I'm going to read exactly what I wrote to myself in this Google Doc, or Word Doc. So, quote, The online version of the New York Times COVID memorial, but only if you want to sob like a baby, then write an overly emotional letter about bread, end quote. (laughs) But really, people, like, so at time of recording today, Sunday... The uh, physical copy of the New York Times has, like, uh, an f- entire front page dedicated to the nearly 100,000 people who have died of COVID in America um, as of late May. And um, it goes on into the main newspaper. And so I saw that and I was like, that is remarkable. I'm really glad they're doing that. But I, my connection to it was kind of like at an um, uh, intellectual level. I was like, wow, great like good one um and then i found the online version this morning and i started going through it and i was just like ah oh no i it's a really intense experience and i recommend it to everyone i mean if you have lost someone to covid this might not be like you might be able to give yourself a pass from reading this um but to everyone listening who has not been personally affected yet, I highly recommend this experience. Um, but it is very emotionally overwhelming. Yeah. And I think especially, I mean, like as we see people making poor choices and going out and being in groups and not following social distancing, like if if you're in that category and there's anything you can do that would like make this situation more real to you, try yeah. to like engage in that. Just yeah. Saying. Because they have, like, name, age, location, but they also, like, describe them in these, like, phrases. So, for instance, I have it open. The three that I see right now are town councilman, always wanted to be near the ocean, marketing expert who brought exotic foods to green grocers. Mm-hmm. Like, whoo! <laughs> Just uh, sad. Really, really, yep. really sad. So that's my first track. I'm glad I didn't end with it. <laughs> my first track, I think I'm I stole this from you because it's the farewell. Oh my god, steal away! That was that you a few weeks ago, right? Directs. It yeah. was, but hell, let's do it again. What'd you think of it? Obviously, you liked it. <laughs> oh, watched it last night. Um, I thought it was really, really good. And oh my gosh, it was just interesting to me, like th- how it dealt, especially with like the love that we have for family, even while those relationships are so complicated. Yeah. And, uh, I think like, especially with, um, it's like a weird thing to try to explain, but I feel like grandmothers in pop culture are often just like these sweet old ladies without personalities. Totally. And so it was interesting to see like a grandmother figure who like is complicated and not always nice and, you know, frustrating and, fallible Mm -hmm. um and and still like especially when you you think about like women in families like still worthy of like being mourned and loved and all that yeah yeah um and it was like I don't know like it's like a sad movie but it was also like a good time totally that's exactly how I felt I was like I knew it was gonna be like heartfelt um, but I also knew, thought it was going to be funny and it was, but I really surprised myself by just like bursting into tears at the end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I teared up at the end. I did not. Yeah. You know me. It's hard to, hard to make me cry. But that like, well, especially, I mean, it's just such a good, it's a good watch. It's a hard watch. Like, because good and hard for the same reason, which is, like, it's a lot about being apart from your family and, like, being distanced from them. Yes. Um, Which I feel like has become more and more relevant. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, yeah, so good. Also, the the wedding scene in that movie is, like, bonkers. Oh, my God. The karaoke or, like, the, the spontaneous song that the bride and groom sing? Question mark? <laughs> yep. Um, wow. It was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, what is your next track? 
Uh, my next rec. Also, I may have made this recommendation earlier. Who's to say? Um, taking a walk with a can of seltzer in hand. Yes. Um, not everyone can drink water and walk at the same time. Uh, beloved medical expert listener cannot do this. My mother cannot do this. Um, but to those people, I would say you can take breaks and take sips. You know that. Why am I mansplaining walking and drinking water at the same time to you? Uh, anyway, I like to stride along and drink the seltzer as I stride along and feel like I went out to my favorite cafe, but, you know, not doing that. <laughs> uh, here's my my question for you. Have you heard of the walk tale? No. The New, York, the New York Times just did an article about the, the prevalence of walk tales, which is also like a, you know, a huge white privilege thing. Um, yes. But people <laughs> ignoring typical laws and customs regarding drinking in public and just taking their booze outside. Uh, oh, yeah. Have, have you – well, I know you for Mother's Day did something similar. We did do that at Mother's Day. Um, I – have not done that here, but in Columbus, I used to do it all the time. <laughs> oh, well. Um, I expect, like, I would put, I, I have very fond memories of this, even though it was probably not, like, a good sign for my mental health. But um, I would take, in the evenings, at the end of, like, a long day of applying to jobs, this was in my last summer, I would put, I would fill a water bottle, not fill, Jesus. I would put like probably like a generous pour's worth of rosé into this water bottle. And then I would put ice in the water bottle also and go on a walk with it. I'm just going to choose to instead believe that you just filled up the entire water bottle with rosé. Totally. It. It's okay. I mean, when I, uh, at times, also in grad school, um, when I would be at home at my parents' house and they had a treadmill at the time, uh, yeah. would put whiskey and water and lime juice in a water bottle and just go like have that beverage while on the treadmill. What a great experience. What a, what a good time. <laughs> and uh, you're just in the privacy of your own home as long as you are drinking responsibly and don't fall off the treadmill. What, what a lovely yep. time. Yep. So we say these things to say, I think there's a way to do this that is not a cry for help. <laughs> um, and I highly recommend it and I will probably try it because I do miss the action of like walking by people's houses and smelling their barbecues and feeling like I'm out on a patio with a glass of wine. Like that part of it was great. <laughs> yep. Although I feel like the, the setting of grad school does suggest cry for help for both. Oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, what's your second rec? My second rec is a book that I have not yet finished, but since this is our season finale, I figured I'd recommend it now. Um, since I will have forgotten about it by the time we do another one of these. <laughs> Completely. Um, and the book is called Act of God, and it's by a writer whose name I might be mispronouncing, but it's Jill Cement, and the last name is spelled C-I-M-E-N-T. Cool. Um, and this book is super fun. It's like very fascinating. It's about most of the main characters. I think pretty much all of the characters whose point of view we sort of get into are, are women. Um, but it's about a an infestation of phosphorescent mushrooms in a neighborhood in Brooklyn. Oh. Um, and it is fascinating. And like, I don't know. I feel like it's um, it's gritty in a way where that like doesn't feel like forced or nice like like oh this book is trying to be edgy like it's just really good that sounds really good and it's really short it's like less than 200 pages so if you're just looking for a little little book to read the de purely the description gave me kind of like annihilation vibes yes that is what it makes me think of as well and i feel like it has that like sort of like glowy glowy feeling yes yes i want that i yes oh good um speaking of glowy this album cover is amazing on spotify so i recently <laughs> tweeted that i wanted to do incredibly buy things in the month of june 
Um, I love it. I'm there too. (laughs) Right? We support this. Um, One of my friends from the Lambda Retreat suggested listening to Tao and the Get Down, Stay Down. Um, And I listened specifically her most recent album called Temple. Um, And I had never heard of this band and this singer, but now I am completely obsessed. Um, And the the album is really good. Uh, The first song is particularly great because it has this kind of like really satisfying sort of like haunting beat. And it's all about... um, her mother who left Vietnam after or during the Vietnam war talking about like losing your culture and dancing all night. And it's this sort of like conversation between her and her daughter who is a lesbian, I believe. And like, basically the conclusion of the song is like, we'll always feed you. You can always come home. And it's just like, ah, oh my God. It would pair well with a farewell in many ways. Ooh, I want to listen to this. That sounds great. Yeah. I am, I am here for a uh, by pride June. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I almost texted you last night. Cause I don't know if you saw my, yeah, I put on Instagram, but the sky last night here was very by. Oh my God, I did see that post and it sure was. That was like, I feel like that that last picture in the like slideshow was like, this is for Jackie. Yes, it was very like by sky at night, sailor's delight. Yes, right. Um, right, you're a poet. <laughs> we're poets. We have to create. We're poets. Oh my God, why are we whispering? In <laughs> my face. Um, anyway, uh, my last rec is the new song Rain On Me by Lady Gaga featuring Ariana Grande. Have you listened to this Ooh. yet? Um, I've not listened to it yet. It is like a fun dance anthem about surviving trauma. So we love it. We're here for it. <laughs> we, that is on brand. That is so good. And it has a music video that is filmed pre-quarantine pre-social distancing there's like people dancing together oh wait i'm sorry can we do a group recommendation for the video for watermelon sugar um yes how is that not on either of our lists i don't know i think i what oh my god so listeners did we just like black out i'm sorry i just was like people together nearby what watermelon sugar (laughs) listeners harry styles has a song called watermelon sugar that is about something that i will let you determine (laughs) it's about watermelons right yeah it's about just just the watermelon a food yeah and it's about um yeah it's about eating watermelon (laughs) um yeah uh and there's a music video that just came out um where he eats a lot of watermelon, literally, in the music video. Literally, that's what's happening. Um, I have long thought that Harry Styles really enjoyed eating watermelon. Yep. <laughs> he seems like the type of guy who loves to eat a good watermelon. Yeah. Um, maybe other fruit emojis as well. Who's to say? But watermelon for sure. We couldn't possibly uh, say. No, it's it's a really good music video. I will say I have some notes. I think it would be an even better music video if the individuals cavorting with him on the beach were not all skinny models. Like, (laughs) I feel like that is just like such a tired trope and he wasn't like complicating it in any way. Um, no, I like I if they had agree. all been skinny models and like ignoring him, that would have been one thing. But it was very like this is an ad for anthropology. <laughs> yes, that Harry Styles has like wandered into. Yes, completely. Uh, but that's my only note. Like otherwise, magnificent. <laughs> no, I agree with that. I think that that uh, th- he seems like his feminism is sort of still at the ground floor where he's like, yeah, women. And like, maybe we could level up. <laughs> totally. Um, uh, this is a place to start Harry Styles, but wow. What a music video. <laughs> what a music video. 
it uh watching that was like uh like i'm i'm like an adult but this feels like kind of intense (laughs) yeah no i blushed for sure yeah yeah uh yes i made kevin watch it with me (laughs) when i watched it again (laughs) that's a really good joint rec i also maybe another joint recommendation can be the essay you got your epigraph from (laughs) Yes, it's super good. Oh, my God. And it's like, uh, I'm, I don't even want to spoil it. Just go read it. I know. I Truly, like, there's nothing to say about it. We will remind you of the title, however. It was called uh, Fuck, Fuck the, the bread. bread. The Bread is Over. Yep. Uh, by it's Sabrina Review. Yes. Yep. <laughs> if you can detangle our words when we speak simultaneously, <laughs> then you should go read them. <laughs> Completely. Just isolate these tracks. Oh, man. I can't believe that this is the end of our fourth season. I know. I, yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. Actually, I mean, like, speaking from the heart, lol, um, when we finished other seasons, I feel like I've been kind of like, yeah, like, a break sounds good, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. I feel kind of, like, tired and, like, I need a, you know, just some, like, recharge time creatively. And this time I feel, like, really, really sad. Yeah. Yeah. I got kind of emotional writing the bread. I mean, yeah. for many reasons, but yes, this is a delight. Oh, it is a delight. Um, <laughs> Listen I mean, to us have feelings, people. Yeah. Like, luckily, if you're a listener, we have a catalog of now like 80 full length episodes plus a few hot takes that probably yes. you haven't listened to all of. So if you miss us, you can go back and listen. But if we miss each other, like we can't. No. There's not a lot we can do. Well, we can go back and listen to old episodes, too, to be fair, yes. actually. Um, also, if you enjoyed us talking about watermelon sugar just now, may I specifically recommend the hot take about the King Princess concert? <laughs> 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 Ooh. <laughs> may we recommend. Um, <laughs> that was LOL. That's a great time. That was really good. <laughs> Um, all right. Wait, if wait. you can hear our voice. Yeah, yeah, oh, that, that, that's what that, I was thinking. That's the one. <laughs> Same brain. Go, go. If you can hear our voice, reach your hands toward the ceiling. Ooh. Stretch. Stretching. Oh, my God. My back is a mess. Oh, I was going to say, my shoulder really hurts. <laughs> Damn. Okay. If you can hear our voices, arms out to the side like you're an airplane. So I just realized why my um, upper arms are sore, and it's because yesterday, in an effort to prove how little upper body strength I have, I was like, hey, if I stick my arms in the air and do absolutely nothing, they get sore really fast. And I stopped before it got to the point where it was kind of annoying, a la in Zumba class, because I was like, whatever, this has gone on long enough. And yet today... I am sore from sticking my hands, my arms in the air and doing absolutely nothing with them. Look, we're in quarantine. What does anybody expect of us? That is true. Um, hey, what's what's up next on your to read list to give our, our listeners something to read over the over the summer break? Oh, yes. Um, I have many things on my to read list. The one I just started reading, literally, uh, I have to look up who wrote it. Um, It's a book that has been kind of on my periphery for a little bit. It's called How to Do Nothing. Ooh. Um, And it's all about, okay, wait, it's got a nice little subheading that will explain what it's about in a second. How to Do Nothing, Resisting the Attention Economy. Whoa. Um, And it's by Jenny O'Dell. And I've only read the intro so far, but it's basically like (laughs) it sort of just speaks to my soul where it's like, hey, why are you monetizing everything? Like, why are you turning every experience into something that you get get feedback on? Like, (laughs) Mm, these are good questions. It's really interesting. And I think I'm looking forward to reading more of it because so far, it doesn't have, like, a shamey tone, which it easily could. Um, it's more like, this is capitalism. Like, we're stuck in it. It's not because you love Instagram or, like, whatever. It's because Instagram makes you love Instagram. Yep. Oh, man. Instagram really does make you love Instagram. 
Yes. <laughs> but I also, so I also plan on reading more romance novels by K.J. Charles. Um, I think it's been long enough since I read that trilogy that I want to read more. Uh, what else? Just a bunch of things. Things and books and things. Things and books and things. Um, I think my next one, after I finish Act of God, um, I have Atmospheric Disturbances by Rivka Galchen. Have you read this? Ooh. It's like about, I don't know. I think it's like kind of like a, a magical realism or like sci-fi nice. adjacent literary fiction. Um, Sweet. Yeah. And then... What else? Oh, I'm in the middle of Weather by Jenny Ophiel. I mean, all these books are kind of like in this same like uh, <laughs> sciencey adjacent literary fiction. That can, is, listen, <laughs> you can tell the mood I'm in. Yep, yep. Um, and they're all very pretty cover wise. So you know, I'm, I'm not saying I judge books on their covers, but I do love a good cover. Yes. Um, okay, well, so I guess that's that's it for us this season. That's that. That's that. Uh, if you want, and you're listening to our back catalog, you can find us a whole lot of different places. You can oh, find us on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, Castbox, Apple Podcasts. Yep. Yep. I think that was all of them. And if you want to go to our website, it's thecoldtake.wordpress.com. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at coldtakepodcast. Um, have a good summer. Have a good summer. <laughs> we'll see you for season five. Yes. Stay um, away from each other. Stay please. away from each other. Stay safe. Um, feel free to connect with us on the internet. We'll be out there. Yes. But do have fun. Like, find ways to have fun. Find ways to if have you fun. Can. But, like, seriously, be safe. Yes. Okay. All right. We love you. We love Bye. You. Bye. <laughs>